Proverbs 63. That's a lot of Proverbs. Uh, Psalm 63 tonight, Psalm 63, and I want to continue with what we were talking about uh, this morning. I would planned on getting a little further uh, than I did uh, this morning, but um, we are talking about um, a closer walk uh, with uh, the Lord, thank you for your prayers uh, for Wendy. Uh, she just got out of um, surgery, out of recovery. She's up in a room, and um, she has uh, been very, very, very sick. And so um, they're pretty sure. Uh, well, he 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 not only did the surgery; he had the trauma uh, surgeon uh, come in and check after him. Uh, and uh, make sure everything was done. They cleaned uh, everything out. Uh, her intestines had adhered to something. They had to separate uh, separate them. Uh, infection was up behind that and just everywhere. And so um, uh, they got everything everything uh, everything cleaned out. And um, uh, unfortunately, we uh, we wanted uh, two things. We wanted the the pump uh, that was in her back of her hip out, and we wanted uh, a bikini uh, cut, and we got neither. So um, they left up that port in, put another port in her belly uh, that's coming out of her belly, and um, and then they had to cut her up and down because they could not get to um, uh, uh, get to the spot uh, side to side. So um, I'm thankful that they didn't have they didn't do side to side and then figure out they had to do up and down. So they only had to do the one cut. But um, of course, longer recovery time with that. Um, their minimum she'll be in the hospital till Thursday, which doesn't seem to be a lot except for she's been in the hospital for a week and she was in the hospital the week before that. And so it's just been a lot. And um, appreciate your prayers for her. Uh, and uh, pray that you'll continue to pray for her and that the recovery will go well. There'll be no more uh, problems. They're going to give her, uh, they're still giving her antibiotics uh, through her IV. Uh, another bad part of surgery is recovery starts all over again. Uh, so this is her third uh, start with recovery. And um, when you go through cut recovery, you've got all the things that go with that. And so uh, she just got to the point where... You know, she was up and walking and using the restroom and eating, and she got off that shot in her belly, so she didn't have to get that anymore. Uh, Well, rewind, and so all that starts all over again. And um, but the doctor said, uh, I just, you know, we 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 were thinking about a couple of our options that we can we could do, and I hate options. I just rather there's only one option. This is it. Do it. And uh, so we had a couple options. And um, the one option that we were going to go with that he did not recommend would have would have been bad. So this was the best option, and uh, he was dead on, uh, accurate with it. And so um, everything is, uh, uh, he said, everything looks good. And um, and just just pray for her. Just pray for her uh, recovery. She said. He said. I don't know if you know this, but sure wife is one tough cookie is what he said and he said she she should not have been well she should not have been smiling she should not have been you know talking to everybody and walking and doing all these things she should not have been doing those as sick as she was and so when they got in there 
the infection wasn't in one spot. It was literally just in a whole bunch of spots, uh, places that the CT scan did not see and couldn't see. And so this was the right option um, to get her uh, completely cleaned out and um, starting, uh, starting over again. So we're going to um, have our services. We're going to have our meeting uh, tonight, and I'm going to head back up there to the hospital. Anna uh, drove home, uh, surprised us. She's up there with her uh, mother, sitting with her mother now. Of course, she's coming out of anesthesia right now. And uh, so just, uh, just pray for her, uh, continue to pray for her, and appreciate your prayers and your concerns uh, for her. Psalm 63, uh, we talked about it this morning, this is a psalm of David, and uh, David uh, there in verse number 1 says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land, where no water is. Uh, Go back a couple pages, Psalm 42, uh, uh, Psalm 42, I love this, I love this uh, uh, first uh, um, uh, first verse here in Psalm 42, the Bible says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul longeth for thee. It is my desire. So the psalmist is saying my desire is to be close to you. My desire is to walk with you. My desire is to be close to you. And we talked about uh, the first uh, way, and we were talking about that this morning, that we can be close to God. And the only way that we can be close to God, the, f- the first way that we can be close to God, is to know Him, to know God. We must know Him, not know about Him, but to know Him. And we talked about the difference uh, between uh, the two of those, and uh, we can know God through salvation. That's where it starts, uh, to know God uh, in a personal, in an intimate way, to know God in a relationship that God wants to have with His people. And so uh, we know Him, or we can know Him, through salvation, and any person, any man, any woman, any boy, any girl, uh, can know Him because Jesus Christ died for the whole world. He didn't die just for a select few people. He didn't die just for a certain race of people. Jesus Christ died for the whole world. And so uh, we, um, uh, uh, we all have that ability Uh, to be saved if we'll place our faith and trust uh, in what Jesus Christ did for us uh, upon the cross. So we can know Him through salvation. Number two, I want to talk about tonight, not only can we know Him through salvation, but then we can know Him through the Scriptures. Uh, We can know Him through the Scriptures. So when I want to know something about somebody, when you want to know something about somebody, what do you do? You find a biography about that person. Better yet, you find an autobiography about that person. And what does a biography or autobiography do? It tells about the person that the biography is about. So if you want to know about Abraham Lincoln, 
uh, come see me. I've got about a shelf and a half of, of books on Abraham Lincoln, and you can read about Abraham Lincoln. If you want to know uh, uh, something about George Washington, what do you do? You find a biography about George Washington. You don't just guess. You can find some information from other people, asking other people. But the best thing to do is go to the source. So when I, for instance, so I love to read about Abraham Lincoln. And so people have mixed you know, feelings about Abraham Lincoln, and I love them. I love to read about Abraham Lincoln. So when I want to know about Abraham Lincoln, I go to Carl Sandburg. If you never heard of Carl Sandburg, he wrote the magnum opus on the life of Abraham Lincoln. Matter of fact, it is six volumes that are about that thick on the life of Abraham Lincoln. I mean, everything there needs to be known about him is in those six volumes. And so I want to know about him, I go to the source, right? I go to where the person that wrote about him, I go to his books. If you want to know about Jesus, go to the source. What is the source? The source is the Word of God. The source is what the Scriptures say. Now, can you find biographies about Jesus? Of course. I've got books uh, uh, about Jesus. One One of my favorite books about Jesus... It's, and it's really kind of a, it's almost a joke, but it's an old, old book, and it's on the boyhood of Jesus. Now, how in the world do we know about the boyhood of Jesus? You know, God doesn't tell us anything about, you know what the book is? It's a lot of conjecture. Sure, we know that Joseph was a carpenter, right? So he probably learned in his dad's shop when he was a young boy. There's some things that we can, we can infer. There's some things that we can guess. But let me tell you something. God's Word doesn't guess. God's Word tells us, Thus saith the Lord. So when we want to know something about Jesus Christ, we want to know something about God, we go to the Scriptures and we find out what the Word of God says. You want to know something about God, what do we do? We go to the to the Bible. You know when you want to know something or an attribute about God, you know what a good study is? A good study is the names of God. When you start looking at the names of God, let me tell you what it does. God, there's only one God. We, we know that, right? We don't believe in multi-gods. But if you look into the Word of God, and especially if you look into Hebrew, the Hebrew language, you'll notice that there are different names for the same God. So you've got Jehovah, and you've got Elohim, and you've got Yahweh, and then you've got all the derivatives of Jehovah, right? Jehovah Sid Canoe, and Jehovah Elroy, and Jehovah Jireh, and all these different names of God. And these different names of God don't mean that they're the different God. See, see my name is Joseph. My aunt? Bless her soul, used to call me George. She's the only person on planet Earth that ever called me George. That's my middle name. And uh, she used to say when I was little, Georgie Porgy, pudding in pie, kiss the girls. I mean, you remember that little thing? I was like, Aunt, Aunt Pat, seriously. And uh, so she called me George. Everybody up north calls me Joey. Uh, some people call me Pastor. Some people call me Reverend. Some people don't know no better and call me Padre. 
and all these different... All, I, I don't change into a different person every time somebody calls me a different name. I've had people say, uh, uh, Mr. Springer, and I look around for my dad. You know what I mean? What are you talking about, Mr. Springer? But it's one of my names, right? Uh, my, my, my wife calls me babe or calls me honey. My kids call me dad. So we, they're different names, but I'm the same person. So when you look at these different names of God, they explain who God is a little bit more. Like the name Jehovah Jireh. It's one of my favorite names of God. And one of my reasons it's one of my favorite names is because of two reasons. The explanation of the name and the story from, where, from whence the name comes from. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. God will provide. He not only provided uh, uh, Abraham with a ram in a thicket, but obviously that was a picture of Him providing Jesus Christ uh, uh, for, uh, uh, for a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. And, and throughout the ages and throughout the days, God has always provided. You need, God provides. That's what God does. It's a name of God uh, that, that we see. But the Hebrew people... The Jewish people knew when you said Jehovah Jireh, they knew exactly what that means. Hey, we know, we agree, Jehovah Jireh, God does provide. And so when you want to know something about God, look into his biography, look into the scriptures, and the scriptures provide us a picture of who God is, and we can know him more. We can know Him through the Old Testament. We can know Him through the New Testament. Yes, we can know Him through a walk with Him and a personal relationship with Him. But we can know Him through what He says about Himself. Over in the New Testament, in the second book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 in verse number 15. You're probably familiar with the passage of Scripture. A second, second Timothy, chapter number 3, and verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That from a child thou hast learned the Holy Scriptures. That thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Why? Because it makes you wise. It helps you to understand that there is moral absolutes in life. I'm telling you something. The world's going to say that there are none. We're living in a day, right? We're living in a time where they call evil good and good evil. We're living in a time where every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. We're living in those days right now. They call them the days of Noah, right? I mean, we're living in these days right now. But just because we're living that way doesn't eradicate the truth. You see, the truth has no bearing. Your belief has no bearing on the truth. Now, the truth should have bearing on your belief, right? 
But what you believe about the truth has no bearing on the truth because the truth is already settled. You don't get a vote. God didn't consult you before he, read, before, he, before he wrote the scriptures. So our opinion doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe such and such. It doesn't matter if you believe it. If God says it, it's an absolute. If God says it's wrong, then it's wrong. And if God says it's right, well, then it's right. And so it's not a matter of whether we believe it or not. That's already settled. What God says, we should believe because it's an absolute. So it doesn't matter what the world's doing. It doesn't matter what the church votes on. It doesn't matter what you and your household believe. When it comes to Scripture, Scripture is already settled. That's why we don't have to fear to stand up and preach, thus saith the Lord. Why? Because it's not thus saith you or me. It's thus saith the Lord. And so... It, uh, when truth goes out, it goes out with power. And when truth goes out, it goes out absolute. We can look to the Word of God. We can believe its truth. And we can trust God's Word because of these reasons. Number one, because it is finished. It's finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10. Now, this is a whole study in itself, and we don't have time tonight to go into the whole study of it. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Okay? So when you see the word perfect, sometimes when we think of perfect, we think of someone that is sinless, someone that never makes a mistake. That's kind of what we think of when we think of perfect. It's kind of like the word conversation. Right, we just talked about the word conversation last week, and that word conversation is more than just your speech. It involves your speech, but it's more than just speech. It's your lifestyle. So when you see conversation in the Word of God, uh, think conversation equals lifestyle. It's the way we live. Yeah, the way we talk is part of it, but it's the way we live. And um, no different than when it comes to perfect. When that which is perfect has come, that which is perfect means complete means something that is finished. You see, once upon a time, there were what's called apostolic gifts. Again, we don't have time to go into the study tonight. But there are apostolic gifts. Did they perform miracles? Yes. Did they speak in tongues? Yes. I know that bothers some people, but it actually happened. Now, not gibberish and nonsense, but actual tongues, actual languages. People actually pray. I Listen. This is tongues. I get up and preach in my language. You're French, you're German, and, and, and you're Spanish, and you all hear in your own language. It's the simplest as it can be. That was tongues. And by the way, that's a miracle. Okay? And, and so they got up and spoke in tongues uh, and all those things. But then that, 1 Corinthians 13, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Those things were done for signs. Well, listen, that which is perfect has come, because that which is complete has come. We have the completed revelation of God. Genesis to Revelation. Don't be duped. Don't be tricked in believing there's lost books out there, and there's, and I've got a couple of, listen, I've got a couple of books. It's an interesting study on, on lost books, on books that people uncovered, and the book of Judas, and, you know, poor 
you know, poor Judas, he got a bad rap. He was actually really the good disciple. And, you know, and then the book of Thomas, and he really wasn't a doubt. And all these different books that come out. There's nothing new under the sun. Listen. And they dig them up, and they're the lost books. They didn't, they, they missed the canon, but they should have been in there. No, 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 no. God doesn't make mistakes. So he has given us the completed revelation of God. Now, I believe there are books out there that are helpful. There's historical books. There's the book of Josephus. Uh, there's the, all these different kind of books that can help you with history and things like that. You can get a Schofield Bible. You can get a Thompson chain. You can get a study Bible. Understand something about a study Bible. Only the scriptures inspired. Those aren't inspired. Matter of fact, there's not a commentary. There's not a study Bible out there that I believe all the notes. Are you kidding me? We all have different, different things. Matter of fact, Schofield was a huge gap theory guy. I mean, he's huge on it. And his whole, his whole beginning of the, you read his, if you have a Schofield, you know, some, it's funny. Because some people have a Schofield Bible, they've never read his notes. They just have a Schofield Bible because, oh, everybody's got a Schofield Bible. And I don't misunderstand me, I love Schofield. That's the Bible I preach from. But I'm just telling you, those are inspired notes. God's Word and God's Word only is inspired. And it's complete. It doesn't need to be added to. It doesn't need to be taken away from. Listen to me. I have a, I have a huge problem with all these different translations that come out. And they take out whole passages of Scripture. And they add words. And they take, I mean, they try to make it smoother. They try to make it sound different. And sometimes it does. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you there are differences. If you didn't know it, there's a difference between a young woman and a virgin. Those are two different, they can be two very different things. They're not interchangeable. And so sometimes they're out there and they're changing this and changing that. God gives us two warnings. Two. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Stop changing it. Don't alter it. You add To this book, I will add to you and your life the plagues of this book. Let me sit down for a minute. I ain't messing with the Word of God. Have you read about any of the plagues that are in the Bible? I have no desire to have any of those added to my life. So I'm not going to mess with God's Word. Why? Because God's Word is already complete. And we just need to believe what God's Word says. It is a finished book. There's no hitting books. There's no books that are going to be revealed at a later time. It's complete. It is finished at the end of many uh, uh, study Bibles at the Revelation 22. When the uh, Revelation 22 ends, I like it. It says the end. That's it. It's the end. There's no more. That's what that means. It's the end. It's finished. Number two, we can trust God's word not only because it's finished, because it's final. It's final. This isn't some man's opinion. It is truth and it is fact. It's not something to be debated. It's not something that we can make an opinion on. This is God's Word. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 42, thy law is the 
truth. Psalm 19 and 9, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Not just some, not just part, but all scriptures. All scriptures. It is the truth. We can look to the Word of God. We can trust the Word of God because it is final. Listen to what Peter says over in, this, over in the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 19. The Bible says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. You know what that means? Pay attention. Listen, I'm trying to tell you something that's important. That's what take heed means. God says, I want you to take heed in verse 19. He says, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Listen to what God's saying. I want to turn the light on. I want you to be able to see. I don't want you to stumble in the dark. You know what a lot of people are doing today? They're stumbling in the dark. And they don't have to stumble in the dark. Why? Because they have the Word of God. And the Word of God will turn the light on for you. Look at verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You don't get to decide. God does. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's what inspiration is. You know what inspiration means? It means God breathed. It is God's word. It is finished. It is final. And it is forever. It never, listen, think about this when it comes to God's word. It's, it never becomes irrelevant. It never comes irrelevant. You ever, you ever read, anybody like to read about history? I love reading about history. I love, I, I love the fact that things change. Aren't you glad that things change? I know so many times we're, and I'm that person. I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of change. I just, uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like change. I like the things to remain the same. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not a big person on change. But there's some things I'm glad change. I, I really am. I'm glad for the invention of air conditioning. I just, I'll just be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I'm, ju- I'm not the guy that goes camping. I, some people love it, and if you love it, I'm so happy for you. I, I'm gra- I'm, whatever floats your boat. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not sleeping outside if I have an option. I'm just not doing it. Now, maybe one day I might not have an option. But if I have an option, and, and, and there's, a, there's a Hampton Inn close... This old boy staying in the Hampton Inn, and that's about as low as I go. I don't do Motel 6. I don't do, I don't even do Days Inn. I I, say what you want. I don't care. Call me privileged. I don't care what you call me. But I'm going to tell you something. When we go on vacation, we stay somewhere nice. Just the way it is. When we go out to eat, we, we, I don't go to McDonald's. I don't go to Burger King. I don't go, I mean, we go somewhere, we go somewhere nice. And I, I yeah, you got to pay up. But I'm telling you, I'm thankful for changes. I'm thankful that you no longer have to go to an outhouse to go to the bathroom. 
I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad about that. That's not, I had to do that too many times, but the couple times I had to do that, it's hurt my psyche. I mean, it affected me in a negative way. I'm just telling you, it just isn't right. I'm glad things change. Aren't you glad? I'm glad medicine changes, right? You do know once upon a time, when you had an infection in the blood, they cut, they cut you open and bled you. I mean, I believe that's how George Washington died. I mean, infection in the blood, take all the blood out. What? How is that a good idea? Now you have no blood. How are you going to live with no blood? But that's what they used to do. Aren't you glad that's changed a little bit over the years? Somebody said to me, listen, only, only solution for, 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 for infection is to, is to cut somebody open. Do you, know, do you know now they're replacing valves through the groin? They don't even cut you open anymore if they don't have to? Absolutely amazing to me. Things change. If you read anything about history, I love it. I love to read about history, but I chuckle sometimes when I read about history, especially older stuff. And I think to myself, well, I'm glad I'm not there no more. I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. I'm glad those things change now. I'm glad that, you know, you read through these history and they're, and they're, and they're no longer relevant because things have changed. Can I tell you, God's word is always relevant. It always has been relevant, and it always will be relevant. No matter how much changes in this world, no, how many, no matter how many things turn over in this world, let me tell you something, God's Word will always be relevant. No matter how many people say it isn't, no matter how many people try to kick it out of the, the schools and try to kick it out of the government, I mean, we've got people trying to kick it out of the church, for crying out loud. But let me tell you something, it changes nothing when it comes to the Word of God. Because God's word is still relevant for your life and for mine. It's still relevant for our children. It's still relevant for raising our children. It's still relevant for our marriage. It's st- I'll have people from time to time. Now I tell people, listen to me, I am not a certified and I am not a school trained psychologist. I believe in psychiatrists and psychologists. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a, a needed field. I, I, I'm for that. I'm for all kinds of doctors. But if somebody comes and asks me, could you counsel? I'll say, absolutely, but I'm telling you my tool will be the Word of God. Now, I've got some books, and I have people read books, and, but you know what they're based on? The Word of God. Because, because that's where I'm coming from. If you need a different kind of help, by all means, that's not me. Go get that other kind of help. I think it's necessary as well. But where am I coming from? The Word of God. Because let me tell you something. The Word of God can help your life. The Word of God can change your life. And I'm telling you, it's forever. It's not just for a little while. It's not just relevant uh, during our parents' days. It's still relevant uh, for us uh, today. We have lost that in our generation. Psalm 100 and verse 5. Listen to what the scripture says. His truth endureth to all generations. Isn't that an awesome statement? His truth endureth to all generations. For some reason, we have it in our head that the truth has gotten old and the truth has... uh, 
for a lack of better term, wore out its welcome. And so it was good for mama and daddy. It was good for last generation. But, but preacher, things have changed now. and We've got to, be, we've got to be doing something different. And so we've taken the Word of God, and we may not have thrown it away, but we've taken the Word of God and we've moved it to the side. And the Word of God doesn't take the place that it needs to in our homes. It doesn't take the place that it needs to in our hearts. And it doesn't take the place it needs to in the house of God. It ought to take, it ought to take uh, um, a first place in those things. You have something that's important to you? We all do, don't we? And it, and it, takes, it takes precedence. It takes a, a place of honor, right? We put it in a place where everybody can see it. Why? Because it's important to us. I've got a bunch of Bibles. I mean, I was looking through my pictures. I was up in the hospital and looking through my pictures, and, and, um, and, and I, I take a I got issues on now, so don't come to me afterwards and tell me I got issues. I already know I have them. And so I've taken pictures of all my Bibles. I like to, I like to, uh, I like to see them. And so I, I was taking a picture of my Bible, and I was scrolling through them, and I was showing somebody, and I was scrolling through them going, well, this is getting a little embarrassing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean I've got shelves, and I've got some that are behind closed doors, and I got, but in my office, right behind my study, on my right shoulder, there's this fancy-looking thing that I found in an antique store. I don't even know what it is. But it is a f- perfect display stand. And it displays all of my rebound Bibles. I mean, I'm talking about goat skin and shark and kangaroo and all these weird kind of rebinds that I have right over my shoulder. So when I'm studying... And I turn my chair like this, I got all my rebinds right there. I mean, when you walk in my office, boom, there they are, place of honor. I absolutely love those things. So we have places of honor, right, that we put. You know, the Bible ought to take a place of honor in your life. It ought to take a place of honor in your marriage. Do you know what's happened to our homes? We've set the Bible aside. Do you know what would solve a lot of relationships? Just getting into the Bible. Just reading the Bible, just studying the Bible, just doing devotions together. You know what would help a lot of hearts? Let's get into the Word of God because the Word of God is as relevant today as it was yesterday. It'll be as relevant tomorrow as it is today because His Word endureth forever. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight thanking you for the opportunity, Lord, to look into your word. I know each day, Lord, that we look into your word, your word looks into us. I pray that you'd help your word to change us. I I pray that you'd help the word of God to take precedence in our hearts and in our lives, in our families and in our churches, in our communities, in our government. I pray that you would help us to put the Word of God in its proper place. Thank you that we can look to you in your Word to know you more, to know you better. This next week, 
I pray that you help us to search your scriptures so that we might this next week know you better than we've known you this week. We're so thankful for all that you do for us. We're so thankful for the blessings you do shower down upon us each and every day. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be better and to do better and to walk humbly before the Lord our God. I pray that you would have your will and your way in all that's said and done. Bless us as we go now into the business meeting tonight. I pray that you would help everything to be done decently and in order, and may you be honored and glorified with what's said and done. We'll be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. If we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So. Um,